Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. They call me the Emerald City Exile. But we just watched, once again, the professional Republicans screw the country. The omnibus bill, almost $2 trillion, is poison. It's a rating of the Treasury. It's a betrayal on every front. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Phil. Well, the federal health officials today announced that those individuals traveling from China will now have to show a negative test before their departure. This is set to take place starting at 12.01 a.m. on January 5th. Now, these tests must be taken no more than two days before departure uh, from China. It also would require that they would be PCR tests or antigen self-tests that are administered through either a telehealth service uh, and that are approved by the federal uh, uh, the FDA here in the United States. Oh, it's back. You knew it was back. It is back. COVID is back. Uh, just in time for, for CNN and MSNBC and everybody else to get all hyped uh, about this. It's, it's an odd year coming up here, right? 23. Remember how great 2019 was? Remember how great 2021 was? You, you knew this was coming. And so now it's here. And this is what is so infuriating about things. Hi, I'm Brett Witterbull. I'm in for Dana Lash today on The Dana Show. Uh, the thing that is so infuriating about this saga is how it is going to play out once again. I understand. I understand. Many, many of you are, are vaccinated. Uh, many of you got boosters. Many of you did everything right, and yet you still can't get rid of this thing from our daily lives. It's really incredible. But the worst thing about that report that CNN just gave you, because the headline, the top line headline is, of course, um, U.S. will require airline passengers traveling from China to test negative for COVID. Okay, it's a big outbreak over there. Makes total sense. Let's test people coming into the United States. But it doesn't kick in until January 5th, 2023. January 5th, 2023. That would be, for those of you keeping score a week from today. So there are people flying into the United States from China. There are people flying all around the world into Europe from China. But we're not going to require the tests for another week. Remember what I told you at the very beginning of this week when I was filling in. Government can do almost nothing right. They're a bank and they can lock you up in jail. They're a bank, and they can break stuff in countries overseas by declaring war. The government has no special, specific insight into how all this is playing. And, by the way, this is a really bad thing that is starting to happen here. Joe Biden is hiding out there in St. Croix, out in the Virgin Islands. He's doing his thing. The Chinese communists are doing exactly what they did going into 2020. Exactly what they did. Listen to this. Nearly half of passengers from China to Milan have COVID, according to Italian officials. Nearly half of passengers on two recent flights from China to Milan tested positive for COVID-19. 38% of passengers on one flight into Milan's Malpensa Airport tested positive for COVID-19, as did 52% of those on a second flight, which flew into Italy's Lombardy. 
Italy will now begin testing all new arrivals and sequencing the tests for variants amid China's surge in COVID-19 cases, Italy's health minister said on Wednesday. The measure is essential to ensure surveillance and detection of possible variants. Why do I bring this up? Because we were here before. We were here just about Easter of 2020. And I remember distinctly because I did an interview with then former speaker. He's still the former speaker of the house. Newt Gingrich. He was posted over to Italy. He, he was serving there with um, uh, his his wife, Callista, who is the was the ambassador from the United States um, to the Vatican. And he said there were 50, 60,000 people that flew all into Europe right after the Chinese New Year and were spreading all out across Europe. And that was the super spreader event that caused such mayhem and crisis inside the European Union, but specifically in Italy. Remember, if you were elderly or you had underlying conditions, you, you, you were, you were in grave danger and you had a lot of elderly there in Italy die off because the CCP decided they were going to spread the pain. And to this day, I don't buy the narrative that came out of the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is interested in one thing, aggregating power into itself, turning Xi Jinping into the uh, overlord of the entire planet, and of course, sticking it to our allies and the United States as well. They will spread this pain. They will spread this illness far and wide because they cannot allow the, quote, democracies, as they say at the White House, the democracies. you got to drop your jaw when you say the democracies. Um, they cannot allow the democracies to succeed. They cannot. They cannot allow us to get back on our feet. They are the people who run behind you in a race and then grab the back of your collar and try to trip you. That's That's an absolute fact. They watched what happened with the World Cup, the success of the World Cup in Qatar, China did not participate. They've been ravaged uh, for, for, for the better part of two years, three years with this COVID-19 nonsense. And, and now Joe Biden, Hyden Biden out there in, uh, in, in St. Croix is having a nice time on the beach, uh, reenacting scenes from romantic movies from the 1950s and 60s, I'm sure. Um, th this, this is a problem for us in the United States because these incompetent people who get paid with your tax dollars are going to wait to test people coming in from china until next thursday because of course you'd wait a week uh, of course you'd wait a week now the centers for disease control and spreading i'm sorry the centers for disease control and prevention is also expanding its program that monitors travelers for new covid variants which will include los angeles and seattle U.S. health officials said they have limited information on what's transpiring on the ground in China. So let's just let them in and they bring it right here. That makes complete and total sense. Uh, the people that want to tell you that government knows things, is brilliant, is smart, it's where the best and brightest go, they're, they're, they're shining you on into a tunnel that will take you off of a cliff. That, that's essentially what we've got happening here. Why we would not learn that lesson, why we would have an open southern border at the same time, having brought in five million people in the last couple of years, why we would be doing this all against the backdrop of COVID-19 is absolutely beyond me. But I think it comes down to something very obvious, which is politics, which is politics. The administration currently sitting in Washington, D.C., and by the administration, I include not just 
the Biden team. But I also include Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Hakeem Jeffries. Um, there are elements inside the Republican Party that are right there with the permanent uh, administrative state as well. They are people who think nothing of uh, of spreading the punishment out to the rest of the country so that you will be inconvenienced, so that you will be troubled, so that you will face uh, uh, dire consequences because you are oriented towards either freedom in your life or you are oriented towards tyranny. And many of the people in Washington, D.C. have decided they want to be oriented towards tyranny. They don't want to be oriented towards freedom, liberty, you making good choices and all that sort of stuff. And what they'll do is they'll say, well, okay, you don't want to give us an amnesty. We're going to flood the border. You don't want us to make you get the shots. We don't you know, you don't want it to be mandatory. You don't want any of that sort of stuff. Well, then we're just going to bring the covid in and then you're going to have to do what we tell you to do either way. That is a punitive approach towards governing free people in the United States of America. Uh, your, your resolution, by the way, you know, you still have two days to make your resolution to make your resolution for this year. You actually could still complete the resolution that you made a year ago. But you got two days to get things set up for what you're going to do in the in the coming year, the ways you want to change things. Change your orientation. I don't mean that with a drag show. I'm talking about change your orientation in terms of ask more questions about government. And I know this audience is incredibly smart. I admire uh, Dana so much uh, for the amazing show she has. Um, but it's really going to be up to each and every one of us to hold the the politicians, the administrators, the people in our daily lives uh, to account for bad policy, where we have to say to them, no, the system did not fail. The system performed exactly as you designed it. The system did not collapse. The system is functioning because incompetent people are left in charge of systems that are designed to fail. It's an incredible thing. I hope I am wrong about this Milan thing. I hope I'm wrong about this Lombardy thing. I hope I'm wrong and the White House gets their act together and decides they're going to start testing today. I'm not optimistic. Because at almost every turn, it's about punishing we, the people. I'm Brent Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, sure. I've asked a number of them, and, and the answers are pretty pathetic, to be honest with you, from all of them. What do they say? There is no excuse for voting this bill. Well, what they tell you is, well, this is the best we were going to get, Chip. And you know what they mean sure. by that? It's not our debate about the speaker's race. What they actually mean by that is you guys would have fought us over the spending levels on the That's military right. spending and on Ukraine. This was all about Ukraine money and defense spending. That's exactly right. Chip Roy is exactly right. Uh, you have people that just want desperately to get out of Washington, D.C. and to, uh, again, I, and I sound like a broken record. I'm Brett Witterbull. I'm in for Dana on The Dana Show. I sound like a broken record when I say the system failed because that is the go-to for everything, including the omnibus bill. You, you To stop these people that voted for the omnibus bill, this garbage for $1.7 trillion, which is really just a wealth transfer over to um, uh, Zelensky and company, which means it's really going over to Larry Fink with the rebuild uh, and Klaus Schwab. Uh, over there with the World Economic Forum because they're going to call all the tunes for the rebuilding in, in, in Ukraine. Um, you you know, you, you go to these people and you say, hey, why did you vote for it? Well, because, you know, we can't be seen as being anti-democracy uh, uh, in Ukraine and we can't be seen as, as being people who are uh, isolationist. And we can't... I think we've proven we're not isolationist. The border is wide open. 
we're allowing the Chicoms to come into the country and we're not testing them for COVID until a week from today. I think we've proven that this administration is sufficiently globalist. Okay. I, I think that's been established already. This is not a tricky thing to understand. Okay. If it walks like a duck and is grifty like a, uh, like a congressman, then you know what you're looking at. You're, you're, you're looking at a grifty congressman. And it's insane. I mean, it, this is, this is, this is crazy. Uh, I just do not understand why you have people who just won't own what they voted for. And there's a reason. There's a reason because there is a tremendous disconnect between Washington, D.C. and normal people. Normal people. How do you know who the normal people are, right? You sit back and you go, well, how can I know who the normal people are? Well, I can tell you there's a thing happening in this country right now called the Great Resort. Not the Great Resort, like we're going to go and lay on the beach in St. Croix. No, no, no. The Great Resort. It's a new national survey that's come out that says political migration is underway and it's getting even bigger. What does that mean? Well, remember all the people that got the heck out of the blue cities that were burning in 2020 and went to normal places that were not burning, that were not in lockdown, and uh, business was still open and people still went to jail when they got arrested for, for stealing your stuff or looting? Yeah, yeah. You remember that? That is just now beginning. Like, that was the beginning in 2020. It's happened over the last couple of years. It's going to get even bigger. Zero Hedge has a piece on it. And uh, it's an incredibly important thing. We're going to do a deeper dive into it um, in, in the next segment. Because the reason why this matters is it's going to change the complexion. And what I mean by complexion is the red, the blue uh, concept. It's going to make... Uh, blue places a little bluer. It's going to make red places a lot redder and a lot more territory is going red. So this is going to have a substantial impact. By the time you get to 2030, you're going to see places like California losing like five Congress members. And that all ties back into what's happening in, um, in at the border. Because remember what they told you for a decade demographics is destiny that was the uh, political talking point that was utilized to try to beat the republicans into submission on a number of different fronts and so we'll unpack that uh just in a a little while because this thing is what ties everything together in one big package what do you say we have a quick five and now all of the news you would probably miss it's time for dana's quick five brought to you by caltech kind of incredible we got the numbers the final numbers of drug deaths from 2021 106,000 people died as a result of uh, drugs and drug overdoses in 2021 what's so striking about this is the lack of an outcry regarding this no one cares no one's protesting no one's marching there's no discussion one would think that a president who is connected intimately to somebody with addiction issues would take a stand and say we need to do something about all this fentanyl killing uh, our children terrell owens wants to come back to the nfl he's 49 years old he's talking to the dallas cowboys about coming back into the league he's also a hall of famer 49 imagine that coming back in to play pro football you know who else is 49 seth mcfarland is 49 do you want him lining up how about nev campbell or seth myers suiting up those are all 49 year olds but somehow 
we're looking at Terrell Owens, who's in maybe an amazing shape. I mean, let's be honest about this. Um, elsewhere, alleged Paul Pelosi attacker David DePape. Is it DePape? DePappy? I always, I don't want to kind of make him feel not welcome. Uh, David DePappy pleads not guilty to all charges when he appeared in court. Uh, Democratic Rep. Jamie Raskin announces that he has a serious but curable form of cancer. Uh, as much as I disagree with him on his politics, uh, I, I hate to see anybody battling an illness that could possibly take your life. Um, Bill Cosby is eyeing a comedy return in 2023. I remember when he got charged with the stuff he got charged with, then he got out of jail. They weren't saying he was blind. Is he going to be back on stage doing stand-up? Is he going to still be doing the Jello Pudding Pops commercials? I mean, how is this going to happen? And then finally, is Kanye missing? Kanye West's ex-business manager can't locate the erratic star to serve him with a $4.5 million lawsuit amid a rumor that Kanye is missing. Where's Kanye? I mean, I know we, we, we used to have that pro, where's Waldo? But where's Kanye? To me, he's obviously hiding out somewhere with a bucket of money because he doesn't want to deal with the uh, with the process server uh, issue that's coming his way. He wants to hide out. They're going to be jumping out of the bushes and coming after him. All right. The Great Resort straight ahead. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's The Dana Show. Well, you know, the uh, decision by the Supreme Court only buys the administration time to come up with the right policy. Uh, they're not they're, the Supreme Court is not a job to legislate. Uh, that's really up to Congress and to the uh, and to the administration. I will say this. President Obama did not have Title 42 and he was able to manage the border without Title 42. So there's a way of doing this. Um, he wasn't managing the border. He, he didn't manage the border with with a title without Title Forty Two. The border was a disaster back when Obama and Biden were in charge of it, and it's now uh, a disaster as well. What is the what is the common thread between the two locations? What is the common thread between the open border? It's the participation of Joe Biden and Obama era sort of approaches to policy. I mean, this is this is not a a tricky situation at all. You had the border locked down. Then the border is suddenly reopened. What are we doing? Now Now you've got people coming in. You've got people coming in who want to be a part of the country, uh, whether or not they're permitted to be here. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to get into this great resort, because this great resort is an important point. Uh, this has been put together by Mark Glennon and John Cal- uh, uh, Klingner from wirepoints.org. Are political preferences truly behind the census data showing migration away from places dominated by Democrats? Where is that heading is the big question. They now have what they call empirical evidence for the answers beyond the net population changes that you've seen showing flight from blue states. It's a national survey put together by the Trafalgar Group. What they did was they went out there and said, okay, are you moving? Have you moved in the last three years? Do you plan to move in the next year? And are you moving because you want to go to a place that better aligns itself with your values, political and personal beliefs? So the answer to this question can be known. Four percent of Republicans and independents said that they had already moved in the last three years. 
and they moved to a region more closely aligned with their political beliefs. So, you know, the sort of standard example would be um, family living in California just can't take the crazy liberal policies anymore, uh, can't take the crime, can't take the, 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 the climate change nonsense, the rolling blackouts. So they want to go and move to a place where they will align with their values more effectively. So where do they go? Maybe they go and they move to uh, Metro Dallas, right, or Metro Houston or Metro Austin. Um, They want to go to the state of Texas because they believe Texas is more aligned with their uh, with their values. They want to go to Tennessee. They want to go to the Carolinas that this is what they're they're seeking. People in New York have enough with the crime and the storms and the lockdowns and the riots and all that sort of stuff, the looting. So they say, we're going to go to Florida because uh, Ron DeSantis seems to be a guy who believes in the rule of law. Where are we not going to go? Where are we not going to go? You're not going to go to blue cities, but there are people who live outside blue cities that want to go into blue cities because they really like the progressivism. I mean, I'm not making fun of anybody. That's that's an actual statistical reality. So here's what you have. All right. If you look at the moving, if you look at the resorting, uh, so people go to people that are red types, go to red states. People who are blue types move deeper into blue states or 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 to communities that are much more, you know, uh, to their liking in terms of the politics. Well, it looks to be 10.7 million voters will be moving in the next 12 months for a region which they are more aligned. Think about that. That's a large number because. 30 million Americans, not just voters, just all all people who moved, have moved annually for any reason over the last several years, according to the Census Bureau. On the other hand, in earlier periods, moving was a lot more common. At one point, you had 40 million Americans in the 80s and 90s moving. There was a lot of flow out there to the Sun Belt, as they would call it, right? So that that's that's a possible thing. So So why is it that people are moving? They're moving for political reasons. A person who cares nothing about politics might say, well, I'm moving to Florida for a good job, low taxes and less crime. Those are inherently political choices. The survey, the survey asked about moves to different regions. So here's how this shakes out. Liberals in southern Illinois would be looking to move to Chicago. Conservatives in Portland might head to eastern Oregon and liberals in upstate New York might go to New York City. But what's striking about this is how much more likely the Republicans and independents are inclined to move for political reasons than Democrats are. The survey does seem to confirm that political preference is a major factor. For 2022, the Bureau, the Census Bureau, estimated particularly severe population losses for New York, Illinois, California, and other blue states. It indicates that conservatives and independents are fleeing the most liberal states and dominating interstate migration. So what are the implications? So if you have right of people center, uh, I mean, right of center people moving to more right of center places and vice versa. New jurisdictions are going to be a lot more inclined to accommodate them politically, which will expand the division 
and become more welcoming to the other side. Here's how this would play out. This is a very important analogy. In Illinois, they voted this November to constitutionally outlaw right to work, meaning you've got to be a member of a union to have a job. Tennessee voted to enshrine right to work. Some conservative states are strictly limiting abortions after Dobbs. Liberal states move to further protect abortion, and many states are adopting voter procedure, voting procedures to favor the party in power. So how does this shake out, say, as you get towards 2030? It means that gains of four House seats for Texas, three for Florida, and losses of five, three, and two for California, New York, and Illinois, respectively. So people call it the U-Haul revolution, the great resort. Some people are calling this the great divorce, where people are picking up their stuff and going to other places. So how does this tie back to the broader politics in our country right now? Was a huge thing to consider. One, Democrats are pushing very aggressively. Jamie Raskin is the one who was most recently talking about this. I think we, we talked about this yesterday. They're talking about scrapping the Electoral College because they need the population centers in their dying blue states to still matter. And if they can get rid of the Electoral College, they can jettison states that have populations that carry weight during the elections. They can ignore South Carolina, very red state. They can ignore Georgia. They can ignore Tennessee that they can ignore um, states like, you know, Montana, where you've got a mix of people in there, but does lean red tends to be a very independent place. So they need the Electoral College gone. The other thing they need, they desperately need that amnesty for the 11 to 50 million undocumented and illegal aliens. Nobody knows what the number is. Uh, it's not 11 million. It's been 11 million since 1986. Um, this is why this is being pushed by Schumer and McConnell and globalists and the, 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 the Chamber of Commerce and all these people. Because what will happen is, if you get an amnesty for these people, uh, they'll feel free to go to uh, California and New York and Illinois and D.C. and all these places, right? Okay, of course. But... That's going to be the counterweight when you have ag states, right? They'll flow into South Dakota, North Dakota. They'll, they'll, they'll flow into the oil patch. Uh, they'll, they'll give the red state of Texas a boost in terms of blue politics. They'll come into the Carolinas. Uh, they'll, they will be sort of the special forces that are coming in to bail out the Democrats in places where they're losing population. And this is not racist, ethnic, identity-based. It's just dynamics. It's just dynamics. So that is why when you see people in the White House say, we have got to do an amnesty, it's not because they care about the well-being of people. It's because they need body count. They need body count on their side. You think about from the days of Roe versus Wade, 50, 60 million people aborted 
and I don't know what their politics would have been, but those are people that would have paid into Social Security. Those are people that would have um, started businesses that would have would have been voters for this group or for that group. That's been erased. What are you doing now? You have to bring in people who will do labor that Americans won't do air quotes that that is not popular right now. That's all that sort of stuff. And if there's a, a byproduct of politics to uh, attach to it. All the better to the to the elites in D.C., Republicans and Democrats. Trust me, Mitt Romney wants an amnesty as much as Chuck Schumer wants an amnesty. Mitch McConnell, tennis of uh, uh, Kentucky, he wants an amnesty as much as Chuck Schumer does. He just doesn't want to talk about it. But the American people are deciding with their feet where they want to live. And they still haven't found a way to stop you from making those moves. Look for tax policy and inducements to probably kick in at some point. It's going to be very interesting. I am Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. And many of you are enjoying uh, this uh, blessed holiday season, and I'm hoping you're having a lot of fun. Finally getting a little warmer here. It's uh, good to have 60 degrees in uh, in, in the... Uh, in the Carolinas, the white supremacist origins of exercise and six other surprising facts about the history of U.S. physical fitness. This is Time magazine. Uh, hat tip to uh, Kane sending this my way. The white supremacist origins of exercise. So <laughs> Olivia Waxman uh, writes this piece. How did U.S. exercise trends go from reinforcing White supremacy to celebrating Richard Simmons. That evolution is explored in a new book by historian of exercise, Natalia Melman Petrozella, author of Fit Nation, The Gains and Pains of America's Exercise Obsession. It's going to be coming out in January of 2023. Nowadays, at the beginning of every new year, many Americans hit the gym to work off their holiday feasts. This momentum usually starts to fade in mid-January. According to a 2019 analysis of data on fitness tracking apps by Bloomberg, but such New Year's resolutions are pretty new, as is the concept of exercise as a way to improve bodily health. It's not until the 1980s that you start to have a consensus that everybody should be doing some form of exercise, says Melman Petrozella, a professor at the New School in New York City. Oh, that place where everybody's protesting because they don't want grades given out anymore. I, I had the New School. Pinko Kami leftist as they come. Uh, per perfect for reading on a treadmill or a stationary bike. This conversation with Melman Petrozella outlines the earliest ideas on exercise, delves into the history of various workouts um, and uh, the outsized influence of Richard Simmons. I, I don't understand the obsession with Richard Simmons. He, he's, he's, he's a workout guy. I mean... What's the obsession with Richard Simmons? Your book, Fit Nation, starts out by talking about how fat was something to aspire to. It was a sign of wealth and healthiness. How did Americans go from a mentality of fat is good to skinny is better? And Petrozella says, well, it wasn't until the 1920s. It wasn't until the 1920s when people started thinking about their bodies in a different way. In a moment when actually there wasn't a whole lot of access to caloric foods, to be fat showed that you could afford things that were out of the reach of most people. And you could also afford to rest like you weren't out all day during manual labor all day. What's the most surprising thing you learned in your research? 
It was super interesting reading the reflections of fitness enthusiasts in the early 20th century. They said we should get rid of corsets. Corsets corsets are an assault on women's form. And that women should be lifting weights and gaining strength. At first, you feel like this is so progressive. Then you keep reading. They're saying white women should start building up their strength because they need more white babies. They're writing during an incredible amount of immigration. Soon after, enslaved people have been emancipated. This is totally part of the white supremacy project. So that was a real holy crap moment as a historian where deep archival research really reveals the contradictions. Your book talks about how, at one point, America's focus was on exercising so we could have a population that was ready to go to war. What is health and fitness culture training us to do? How has that evolved? Well, during the New Deal of the 1930s, the Civilian Conservation Corps would recruit out-of-work or impoverished scrawny men to go to work in the forest and on public works projects. One of the ways they marketed the idea was it puts muscle on your bones. That really picked up during the Cold War, right after World War II. You start to have more concern about Americans getting soft. This idea that the things that made America great, like cars and TV sets, were taking a toll on Americans' bodies. Presidents Eisenhower and Kennedy went on a mission to make exercise look wholesome and patriotic and focus on shifting the purpose of exercise to being a good citizen and defending your country. In the 1980s, there's a huge boom in the fitness industry, connected to this work-hard-play-hard mentality. I was also really moved speaking to gay men who had lived through HIV-AIDS and talked about how they exercised to display that they had a healthy body at a moment when there was so much homophobia. Some gyms became like community centers, sharing medical information like mutual aid societies. Another big turning point was 9-11. 9-11. Mm-hmm. 9-11 was another big turning point. You saw a boom in CrossFit mentality of almost like militarized fitness and girding yourself and your body for a fight. Not necessarily, by the way, in the 1950s, 1960s way of fighting for the U.S. Army. You know you need to perform. What era of fitness are we in now, she asks. Gym usage is rebounding rapidly since the pandemic lockdown ordinances. Really? Is that why the gyms are open so people are using them? No kidding. That's incredible. I I would never have thought that. It's also really efficient for a lot of people to exercise at home. It's cheaper, too. By the way, it's cheaper. What's so unfortunate about the pandemic is how much it accelerated fitness inequality. You can go home and be on your Peloton if you can afford it. If you have space for it, but not everyone can. This is all about victims. This is victimhood. Hold on. Not a mention of medical science coming out and saying you should take care of yourself. You shouldn't eat fat. You shouldn't eat garbage. You should be exercising. You should walk. Walking is free. You can walk anywhere. Uh, You can do push-ups with your body weight, sit-ups with your body weight, squats with your body weight. You can do planking with your body weight. You don't have to have a piece of equipment in your house. You could run. You can go to a local high school, run around their track. But this is all about white supremacy? Whoever commissioned this book and paid this writer uh, probably an exorbitant 
down payment on the book got took. The ancient Greeks were all about the Olympics. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. He can slip out of the uh, out of transportation for a four-month paternity leave, and for the first half, nobody even knew he was gone. But people keep asking, why aren't they fixing these crises? Because they don't care. I mean, why would they care about the Buffalo disaster? It doesn't affect the managerial class. It doesn't affect the elites of this country. Why would they care about the, the commercial airline crisis? Mayor Pete flies, flies private half the time, most of the time, actually, along with his friends. And he doesn't fly commercial with the peasants. So why should they, they be bothered? Ned Ryan uh, taking the hammer to uh, Portugal Pete. Uh, incredible. You know, when you listen to people who are on the far left, they, they may be totally nuts. But sometimes uh, they know more about these leftists, like Portugal Pete Buttigieg, uh, than, than conservatives would know, right? And so I, I went and I did a little bit of digging. And, and, you know, show prep knows no boundaries, by the way. How about uh, an outlet called the Socialist Alternative? I mean, that, that has got all the credibility in the world, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to taking a look at socialists. And, you know, Pete Buttigieg, is your secretary of transportation. But back in 2020, a guy named Adam Birch broke down this guy's whole situation. And so I'm going to take him at his word because he's a leftist, right? And leftists would know what leftists are going to are, are going to be capable of. Adam Birch, a very qualified individual, happens to be a, a bus driver in Minneapolis and a member of the ATU Local 105, uh, 1005, breaking down Pete Buttigieg and his uh, inability to really be able to helm an important an important uh, department like the Department of Transportation. After proving himself to be the most subservient to the Democratic Party's top brass leadership by sacrificing his primary campaign to save Biden's, Mayor Pete has now been nominated as the Transportation Secretary of the incoming Biden administration. This is this is the best shot of all, though. The top transportation post oversees a sprawling department with 55,000 employees. That's roughly half the population of South Bend, Indiana, where Portugal Pete was the mayor. I'm calling him Portugal Pete. I don't want to attach that to Adam Birch. I don't want to you know, throw him under the bus in that way. So what is Pete Buttigieg? He was a faithful servant to the rich. Okay. He, he was a guy who, who took a knee so that Biden could get the nomination. He's a guy who was subservient to one of the most elite institutions in the whole world, McKinsey and Company. McKinsey and Company. The New York Times reported uh, back in the uh, late days of the election, in the early days of the Biden uh, administration, that partners at the consulting firm had discussed how Purdue Pharmaceutical could turbocharge opioid sales in the midst of the opioid overdose pandemic completely with an insidious plan that they apparently came up which was to pay purdue to pay pharmacy rebates when their customers uh were were killed as a result of an overdose that's a really that's a dirty shot right there mckinsey also worked with ice immigration and customs enforcement during the obama administration McKinsey recommended the agency responsible for detaining and deporting undocumented immigrants do it more efficiently by cutting costs on food and medical care for detainees, reduce maintenance of detention facilities, and redirect long-term detainees to cheaper and more dangerous county jails. That's Pete Buttigieg's company. 
Pete is certainly not the only McKenzie alum to serve in the Democratic Party. Biden will continue the tradition because he had a bunch of ex-McKinsey confidants who were advising him on all these things. Pete Buttigieg, when he was elected mayor in South Bend in 2012, he envisioned South Bend to be a beta city to test big tech initiatives like smart sewers. In 2018, he accepted Bloomberg Mayor's grant uh, to expand rideshare service in the city. He he then he, he then made it harder for people to work Uber and Lyft jobs. Okay, so this guy knows nothing about transportation, knows nothing about the airlines, knows nothing about the messes that are out there, had no solutions when it came to building better transit. None of this stuff. This guy is not an expert when it comes to managing the transportation hubs, mostly because his only private sector work was at McKinsey & Company, a consulting firm. He probably doesn't even know uh, you know what? I would ask him if, if I if I were to run into Portugal, Pete, I would say to him, where's the Admirals Club located at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport, Pete? He can't tell you where that is. As Ned Ryan said, this is a guy who got hired because he checked the right boxes for Biden. Biden boxes are very important when you're Biden. And so you've got to check that right box or you're just not going to be taken seriously. Are you diverse? Are you the right kind of diverse? Are you somebody who understands uh, how to duck blame? Are you somebody who understands how to put you first? If you're qualified for that job, you're going to be that person, all right? And so this idea that this guy's going to be able to fix what's going on with the airports is literally insane. It is literally insane. I do not understand um, any uh, of what it is. Uh, that these folks are trying to pull off. But, you know, this is the Peter principle writ large. You mess up, you move up. You mess up, you move up. And that's what's going on with with this particular guy. The January 6th committee has dropped the Trump subpoena as it uh, winds down. The reason why it's removing the Trump subpoena is it's winding down. It is going out of business, and it understands that um, there's absolutely no reason to continue to push that subpoena onto the president, especially when you've already written the report. The House January 6th committee is withdrawing the subpoena of former President Trump as it concludes its work. In light of the imminent end of our investigation, the select committee can no longer pursue specific information covered by the subpoena. That's according to Benny Thompson. Therefore, through this letter, I hereby formally withdraw the subpoena issued to former president trump and notify you that he's no longer obligated to comply or produce records the committee subpoenaed trump in october for documents and testimony related to his investigation of january 6 he chose not to participate the committee has already dropped a number of subpoenas related to other witnesses as it winds down its work this is this is news over at january at the uh, january 6 committee this is news over at cnn that they've dropped their committee. Um, however, however, they went and they found a judge who would make the assertion, this is per Politico, that Donald Trump knew that the riot would break out and that he would be responsible uh, for, the, uh, for the violence. 
The January 6th Select Committee's finding that Donald Trump lured followers to storm the Capitol does not absolve them of legal responsibility for their actions. A federal judge ruled on Wednesday the first opinion to cite the congressional panel's criminal referrals of the former president. U.S. District Judge John Bates cited the Select Committee's report and criminal referrals to swat down a J6 defendant's claim that he believed Trump had authorized him and other rioters to enter the Capitol when he urged the crowd to march down Pennsylvania Avenue. Bates, appointed by George W. Bush, ruled that the defendant, Alexander Shepard, should be prohibited from making the public authority defense because there is simply no evidence Trump told his followers that entering the restricted grounds was legal. In fact, his incendiary rhetoric, especially telling his supporters to fight like hell, may suggest that Trump was asking them to break the law. His words could signal to protesters that entering the Capitol and stopping the certification would be unlawful. So he's saying, in essence, Donald Trump told you to break the law, but you were not acting on behalf of Donald Trump. Is that not the most DC you can get? That is 100% a bunch of just terrific gobbledygook from a federal judge. Look, you had to make a decision on that day. And if you made the decision to go wandering around at the Capitol, you can't be surprised that this administration, as punitive as it is, is looking to lock you up. You, you just, you have to know that. I'm Brett Whittable. You're listening to The Dana Show. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. God rest Rush. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. But we just watched, once again, the professional Republicans screw the country. The omnibus bill, almost $2 trillion, is poison. It's a rating of the Treasury. It's a betrayal on every front. Not just our southern border. There's gun-grabbing stuff in there. How are they going to deputize your kids effectively? Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Oh, those poor, poor FBI agents. Oh. They're being assaulted uh, because the uh, the Republicans are coming in to take over the House of Representatives. The New York Times Republicans poised to take over the House have, quote, stepped up their assaults on the FBI. Really, uh, the assaults. What do the assaults on the FBI look like? Let's dive a little deeper. The New York Times does get one thing correct right off the bat. Historically, FBI critics have come from the left, but that's all changed since the FBI started investigating Donald Trump. Back in 2015, by the way. And now, progressives are huge fans of the security state. We love the security state. The FBI was colluding with Twitter to present the Hunter Biden laptop story as a part of Russian disinformation dump. That was good. The FBI should protect us from disinformation. The Times seems concerned, though, that Republicans who are going to take over the House next month and are trying to, quote, undermine the Bureau. Meanwhile, Pete Strzok is pimping his substack. Uh, Donald Trump's supporters, among them Republicans poised to take over the House next month, have stepped up their assaults on the FBI to undermine the Bureau 
just as it has assumed the lead in an array of Trump investigations. Well, let's think about this. Did the F can the Republicans undermine the FBI? No, the FBI has undermined itself. It has taken its credibility, lit it on fire and dropped it into a bucket of gasoline. I mean, that's really what they've done. Stepped up the assaults. So oversight is assault. Really? Oversight is assault. Sandy notes on Twitter over at uh, Twitchy. Confident the FBI leadership has undermined the credibility of the Bureau. Would FBI leaders take CSE investigators off cases to round up J6 trespassers or investigate garage door polls? They've undermined their own credibility. Viva Fry says, FBI literally falsified evidence. It's submitted to a secret FISA court to spy on Trump through Carter Page. FBI literally interfered in the 2020 election by suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop. Yet New York Times spins it to portray the FBI as the victim of assaults by Trump supporters. Yes, that's exactly right. It's what they're doing. Yes, the FBI led investigations aided by the National Security Agency and the CIA and the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Unit. The investigators accelerated their efforts in recent weeks, but are still having a difficult time trying to find any evidence. This is back in the day uh, of any wrongdoing. One good observation from Elbow says, every New York Times article is filtered through the FBI or possibly the other way around for a long time now absolutely i mean this is this is a this is a well-known reality here folks so the republicans doing oversight are assaulting the fbi school boards deploying the fbi to go to parents homes and threaten them with arrest that's not an assault on your liberties the FBI, and really the Department of Justice, I like to call it on my show, the Department of Just Oz, these folks, these folks have everything completely 180 degrees out of phase. It's bananas. It is nuts. Hey, what do you say? We get a quick five. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I mean, it is an incredible story still coming out of Buffalo. The this saga of Buffalo is shocking. Has Kathy Hochul even made a trip over there yet? Buffalo store owner opened fire on looters that were trying to steal his stuff, while frozen body of dad-to-be was found after he went out to buy supplies for his nine-month pregnant wife. As the city of Buffalo continues to reel from uh, one of the worst storms this century, probably the worst storm of this century, uh, a Boeing pilot is coming forward with what he knows. I've seen UFOs defying all known tech, and I captured a cigar-shaped object on camera. I I didn't know they had cameras in the Clinton... White House. Okay, that's a terrible joke. It's just too obvious. The world just doesn't seem to have enough planes as travel is now roaring back. Well, it's a combo platter. 
We do need more airplanes, but we need more pilots and we need more staff. And remember, it was the Biden-Harris-Buttigieg administration that was firing people, throwing them out of the military, throwing them out of the airlines because they wouldn't get the jab. So, yeah, good luck. Who wants to fly anyway? I mean, really, if you have a choice in travel, wouldn't you rather travel in a car than travel in a plane at this stage of the game? It's an absolute mess out there. A tourist died while taking a selfie on Thailand's Death Railway. They have this railway where people die all the time. And that tourist died while taking a selfie on that very dangerous location. Kim Jong-un has made some terrifying New Year's resolutions. More nukes, long-range missiles, and a spy satellite. Uh, I follow very closely my good friend, uh, Bruce Bechtel, who is a professor um, and an expert on North Korea. We're expecting that he's going to test a nuke at some point here. Uh, We were conversing about that just a few weeks ago. Uh, Reimagine New York City launches a $2 million study to reimagine the Cross Bronx Expressway. Oh, my gosh. The Cross Bronx Expressway. I once drove in 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 a taxi. I rode in a taxi, and we hit a pothole larger than the taxi. Uh, my, my teeth are still loose in the back of my mouth. And and uh, finally, ladies and gentlemen, this is really great. There is a snowman delivery service in Boise. A local snowman delivery service. How awesome is that? I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. Other thing to, to remember is that if you try and test passengers, a test is a snapshot in time. So if a, if a passenger is tested a day before their flight or even the day of their flight, they are negative at that moment. That doesn't mean that they are not already infected, just not uh, testing positive. It's really impossible to to block people from coming into the United States. I think these uh, restrictions have no real public health benefit. So that is uh, Dr. Reiner on CNN saying that testing is of no value. It's of no value because it's a it's a snapshot in time. Uh, Does that I mean, would, would he say the same thing about like cancer? Would he say the same thing about um, uh, other illnesses? Well, you know, you tested negative for cancer on Tuesday, but Wednesday's a whole new day. Th- this is the problem because these folks are so flip. They're still sending you if you want if you want COVID tests, they'll still send them to you. The government's paying for them. They were manufactured. A lot of times they were manufactured over in China. And, and now the government's paying for these uh, COVID tests, right, to send you. They'll send you a four-pack, a six-pack, whatever you want to get. Um, they'll, they'll send them your way. But if the testing regimens don't mean anything, then they, they, they don't mean anything. At what point did these experts suddenly flip? It seems like Tony Fauci went away and now suddenly, uh, my friends, my friends, we're not going to uh, do any more testing. But we know that people are coming in and are infected out of China that are landing in Milan, that are landing in Lombardy, that are coming to the United States. The Biden administration couldn't care less. He's out there laying on the he's out there laying on the beach with uh, Dr. Jill Biden. And they're 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 putting all the 
all, all the banana sun oil all over their bodies and they're rolling and frolicking in the water down there. And they're not going to start screening people coming into the United States until a week from today. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I would have thought that this would this would require some kind of an address from um, from whoever's in charge. Is it Rachel Levine that's uh, still in charge? I don't know who's in charge of the medical these days. Ashish Shah, I think he's he's one of the guys, right? Well, we're not hearing from these people. We're not hearing from these people. They're not telling us anything. Hey, here's a couple of the 2022 stories that you may have forgotten about. There's one in particular that I think is incredible. But let, let's let's go back, looking back across this year as we get in a, a look towards the future. Um, and let's start with this. Remember the 11-day manhunt for the corrections officer and the escaped inmate? That was a huge story. It ended on May the 9th when the jail employee, Vickery, Vicky White, was apprehended uh, along with the murder suspect, Casey White, in Indiana. Vicky White died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Casey White has been charged with murder as a result. Then there was, of course, a story of baby Holly found alive after more than 40 years when her parents had been murdered uh, back uh, back 40 years ago. Peak San Francisco hit during this last year as well as a San Francisco couple was fined $1,500 for parking in their own driveway. That's right. The parking problems in San Francisco for this couple made headlines after they were fined $1,542 for parking in their own driveway due to the enforcement of a decades-old city code. The fine was eventually dropped in July, and the lot legalized for parking after a 1938 photo helped them prove that the lot was historically used for parking. Meanwhile, California authorities made a record-breaking meth drug bust. 5,000 pounds of meth found in two trucks entering the Estados Unidos, the United States, from Mexico. 5,000 pounds of meth. And finally, there's this one. This, I think, is endlessly interesting. A 23-year-old American tourist captured attention back in July after he fell into Mount Vesuvius, an active volcano in Italy, while trespassing to take a selfie on July 9th. He only sustained minor injuries. The guy fell into an active volcano and lived to tell the tale. The 23-year-old man who dropped his phone and tried to retrieve it after the selfie fell several meters into the ash of the crater before being saved by nearby park officials. He sustained only minor injuries, though. The man who was not named, he should have been named. You should be named for this. I mean, you're an incredible person for surviving this. The man who was not named allegedly walked on an unauthorized path to reach the summit of Mount Vesuvius at 1,281 meters up. The spokesperson told ABC News he believed the man went on the unmarked path because tickets for visiting Vesuvius, which are limited to 2,700 a day, were, were all gone. So the man decided to go up on his own. He freelanced it. At 3 p.m., 
the guides spotted some people on the upper part of the crater, an area forbidden for solo access. The guides immediately started moving to the area. They were able to come to the man's rescue after seeing him attempt to retrieve his cell phone. The guides performed first aid on the man's minor injuries to his legs, arms, and back. He fell into a volcano. I mean, that's a really remarkable thing. Some local sources, by the way, reported that there were three family members with him, but the spokesperson believes only one of the other Americans is related to the man who fell. So you, you get in trouble for this, right? I mean, you're not allowed to go up into that area, and I don't know what the, what the punishment in this regard is. Uh, I, I would guess, I mean, honestly, I would guess that you're looking at these people and you're saying, okay, well, you survived. You'll probably not ever do that again. Let's hope that you, that you learn something from this. But apparently, it's a somewhat common occurrence. You have people falling into the volcano 10 times a year. Why would you do that? Why would you want to go up and, and, and even attempt that? Who, who knows that that thing's not going to just suddenly, you know, explode? Finally, from the dumb criminals department, and this is not a Florida man update, by the way. This is just dumb criminals. A group of burglars were caught off guard and on camera in Alhambra, California. They accidentally broke into a diaper cleaning business instead of the medical marijuana dispensary next door. Security footage shows a car speeding into a security gate, knocking it off its hinges, and a group of people storm through. Instead of entering the dispensary that they intended, they broke into the Luludoo diaper service, which cleans and delivers cloth diapers to families using their services. We're a diaper delivery service, said Sandy Barajas, the owner of the business. We got dirty diapers and laundry. As soon as they walked in, they realized there was nothing of value for them and quickly left. Barajas said that the thieves initially left with a couple of bags. But dumped them outside when they saw the contents. Were they clean or used? I, I would guess if they were used, that was a very, very unfortunate occurrence for you to, you know, be grabbing and taking out with you. Um, she believes there were about twenty people trying to break into the marijuana dispensary. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to tell you something here. These guys, some of them may have been high, and some of them, they, they may have been in the backseat of that, of that vehicle, heading back out to, to, to come up with an alternative plan. And you know that there was probably one guy trying to roll a, a, a joint out of a, out of a cloth diaper. You light that thing up. Oof. Oof, forget it. It's absurd. This is so typical, though, in California. The violence that's going on out there now, the crime that's going on out there now. They're just taking vehicles and barreling into inoffenses like that that is somebody who's watched too many movies we got to get the weed how are we going to get it let's drive right into the uh right into the fence and see what happens we're bound to get some drugs i think they were already on drugs it's really the only way you can possibly explain this <laughs> i just look at this and it's like hey yeah you guys went in the wrong building you're in the wrong room of the right building that's right. Just keep on two more doors down. You know how you know it's peak California? No mention of the cops even showing up. That's how into 
crime that that area is. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. That would never happen in San Diego. That would never happen in Ventura County. That's it's just absolutely shocking. I am Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull in for Dana on The Dana Show. Great to be with you. Joe Biden does not trust some of the Secret Service and doesn't believe, quote, details of dog biting incident, according to a report. Wait, wait a minute. Wasn't this like a long time ago? Didn't this happen a long time? ago? OK, President Biden doesn't trust some of the Secret Service agents around him. And he does not believe certain details of the biting incident with his dog major, according to a new book about the administration. I, this Chris Whipple book has got really lame reveals. So far, he said, let's see, Chris Whipple has said uh, Joe Biden regards Kamala Harris as a work in progress. Uh, he's also reported out that Joe Biden gets really angry when you talk about him being too old. Uh, he also says um, there's a piece that came out earlier today. I read Ron Klain, who is the White House incompetent chief of staff, um, it, it was uh, was telling on himself that Joe Biden uh, was really upset uh, about supply chain issues and about people not being able to afford turkeys back last Christmas and Thanksgiving. And now we're finding out that the president doesn't trust some of the Secret Service agents. Chris Whipple's the fight of his life inside Joe Biden's White House says Biden has trust issues with some agents due in part to the fact that some agents are strong supporters of President Trump. Well, why doesn't he fire him? If he thinks that they're not loyal, I mean, he's the president. Can't he have him tossed? I don't want him to, but I mean, like, why, why, why wouldn't he say I'm going to change my detail up? I don't I don't like that guy. I think he likes Trump too much, which is just such peak D.C. behavior. I mean, just peak D.C. Bigger problem was Biden's discomfort with his Secret Service details, some of whom were mega sympathizers. He didn't trust them, Whipple wrote, according to a copy of the book obtained by The Hill. In, in other words, Chris Whipple sent the book over to The Hill with highlighted passengers passages passengers that'd be great hey, here comes a highlighted passenger now um biden's detail as president is much larger than it was when he was vice president and now many agents are mega sympathizers and the secret service is full of quote white ex-cops from the south who tend to be deeply conservative so then who does he want well why doesn't he get different cops from like seattle and chicago if he doesn't like these cops i think biden just doesn't like cops i think he doesn't like the heat man the secret service response to the january 6 2021 attack on the u.s capitol after trump tried to politicize the agency and made tony ornato uh, deputy white house chief of staff of operations added to the president's concerns surrounded by a new phalanx of strangers Biden couldn't help but wonder, do these people really want me here? Well, they're professionals and you're safe. 
When the news broke that the Secret Service erased most messages from January 6th, along with revelations uncovered by the House panel that investigated the insurrection, Biden felt the Secret Service had looked both incompetent and politicized. Well, uh, I mean, that could be the case there in Washington, D.C. There's also issues around the March 2021 incident, which major the president's German shepherd rescue dog, allegedly bit a Secret Service agent. The president was reportedly skeptical about the Secret Service's report of the situation. Quote, Biden wasn't buying the details, such as the location of the incident, although he didn't dispute that the bite took place, Whipple wrote. Biden told a friend that the Secret Service agents are never at the location of the incident, which was allegedly on the second floor of the White House. Somebody was lying, Biden thought about the way the incident had gone down. That is, that is perfect Bidenese. Somebody's lying about the way it went down. Major, who's believed to be the first shelter rescue animal to live at the White House, received private training following the biting incident. Biden at the time defended Major, saying he's a sweet animal, simply adjusting a life in the White House alongside Secret Service agents. This is a terrible book. Don't read this book. I mean, this book is really bad. It's like legitimately, totally, seriously bad. And I haven't even read it. All right. It's time for Florida, man. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. (laughs) It's time for Florida, man. Did you know that 21 years ago, Nick Day proposed to his wife, uh, Shania, with a diamond engagement ring. But before the couple said, I do, the token of Nick's love went down the toilet, literally. She came to me one day and said, I think I lost my ring. She said it was on the counter. Now it's gone. I think I may have flushed it down the toilet on accident, Nick uh, revealed. Hmm, that's troublesome. The couple searched for the missing ring by getting down and dirty, trying to find that diamond. I climbed down into the septic tank so we could pump every bit of it through a strainer to try to find it. No luck, Shania said. Then last month, Nick's mother, Renee, hired a local plumber to replace her toilet. He discovered the ring lodged inside the toilet. He said, do you think that's Shania's ring? And I looked at it and said, well, oh, God, yes. Nick's mom, Renee, said, proving diamonds are forever, even if this one needs a good cleaning. 21 years of dookie. The ring's sitting down. The ring was wrapped up as a Christmas present by Nick's parents and given as a surprise to the couple on Christmas night. They brought this out. It was wrapped in a little Christmas bag. So we opened it up and both of us knew exactly what it was. It's kind of an ugly cry. I sat there and said, oh my gosh, this is my ring. This is my ring. I'm wiping my eyes and mascara is going everywhere. The couple says they may incorporate the diamond into a new piece of jewelry or pass it on for a future generation to enjoy. The couple says they learned a valuable lesson. Quote, check your toilets when you lose things. Elsewhere. Christmas Day robbery suspect runs and slips on ice. A Gainesville man accused of uh, trying to rob someone on Christmas Day slipped on the ice and hit the ground, allowing witnesses to get the gun away from him. Luis Sabocho Ordonez, age 30, was charged with armed robbery 
and aggravated assault, according to the Hall County Jail Database. He remained in jail Wednesday, December 28th with no bond. Gainesville police were called to investigate an armed robbery about 1 a.m. on December the 25th on Atlanta Highway. Lieutenant Kevin Holbrook said Sabosho Ordonez tried to rob a person leaving a business on Atlanta Highway, pulled a gun, demanded money, but guess what happened next? He slipped, he fell on the ice. Crime doesn't pay, folks. They always get their man. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull. It is The Dana Show. It is great to be here with you. This sad news coming across the wire now. Uh, Pele has passed away. The uh, Brazilian soccer legend died after a uh, battle with colon cancer. Uh, this according uh, to sourcing I'm getting out of the Daily Mail. Uh, Pele, aged 82, passed away. Legendary figure was admitted to a hospital in Sao Paulo, Brazil, on November the 30th with uh, swelling all over his body. He then uh, uh, passed away. Uh, what a tremendous legacy as an athlete, an incredible uh, ambassador for the sport of football or soccer, depending on how you want to call it. Um, one of the greatest uh, athletes of, of all time. And uh, by all accounts, just an incredibly good guy who um, pursued his passion, uh, loved his family, and uh, was, was, was trying to... Uh, 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 beat back this terrible uh, metastatic cancer. So Pele passing away uh, just a couple of weeks after Messi and uh, uh, Argentina win the World Cup. Uh, he was 82 years of age and, and certainly a, um, a, a big loss, but a, but a life so very well lived. I mean, an absolute legend in, in so many ways. Um, we got uh, a very interesting bit of drama involving congress a little small bit in a corner of of america katie porter uh is a representative from southern california she's a democrat uh she was most uh most recently noted for complaining about the fact that uh, as a single mom she couldn't make ends meet for her kids on the measly salary of one hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars a year um she is now also uh, according to uh to a conversation going around the country uh, out there on the Twitter. Um, she's fired one of her staffers because the staffer gave her COVID. And uh, the, the, uh, the back and forth has been released out there into the public uh, medium, uh, seeing some of this. Um, they're, they're looking at this, uh, this young staffer of hers who's worked with her for a couple of years, apparently exposed her to COVID. And Katie Porter, not happy about this, declares, why did you not follow uh, office protocol on testing? It's really dis disappointing. The young staffer says, I'm terribly sorry. You're right. I should have done better just because I felt OK in the moment doesn't mean that I was. Oh, but it goes on. Sasha, I cannot allow you back in the office. Given your failure to follow office policies, Cody will be in touch about having your personal effects shipped or delivered to your home and will lay out your remote work schedule and responsibilities for your last few weeks. Sasha then responds, I understand. Thank you for the last two years and all that I have learned. I hate to have disappointed you in this manner. 
as I know it isn't an excuse, I had just found out my friend from the Navy had been murdered, and my head was not in the best place. Not an excuse, but the reasoning for the lack of forethought. I appreciate everything this office has done for me. Then she responds, Katie Porter responding, Well, you gave me COVID. In 25 months, it took you not following the rules to get me sick. My children have nobody to care for them. Uh, well, that's true. But, I mean, you see, these people that represent you in Congress, I've, I've met a number of these people over the course of, of my career doing talk radio producing uh, uh, for, for different radio programs and there are some people who are really terrific Congress people tremendous professionals give the shirt off their back to help you Th those are usually the people that are not professional politicians those are the people who feel a calling to come in and serve um, and and to and to try to make lives better for people those are rare people. The overwhelming majority are a lot like Katie Porter, who is just about two degrees removed from don't you know who I am? She, she is somebody that gets caught up in a fair amount of drama down there in Orange County, California, which I mean, you know, Katie, Katie Porter is just she's she's somebody that just seems like if you're asking her a question, she's giving you an answer that you're really putting upon her. You, you are really testing her patience with your meaningless questions and concerns. I would not want to be a staffer in that office. Uh, there are a number of people I would not want to be a staffer uh, in any of their offices. But th these are people who, let's be totally honest, um, believe that public service means the public servicing them that you as a constituent are an annoyance you as a constituent are, are nothing but somebody getting in the way of their broader agenda and they really don't have any time for you they don't have time for you they don't want to have a conversation with you you're, you're bothering them um, that's why they have staffers like this young woman Sasha and you see from Katie Porter I mean, I, I apparently her, her friend was just murdered. He had gotten out of the Navy. They had gotten out of the Navy. Um, this person was murdered. Um, it immediately becomes, look what you did to me. Look, I understand your friend was murdered, but look what you did to me. I, I don't think Sasha woke up and said, today I'm going to give Katie Porter COVID. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to kind of go out on a limb there and, and, and assert that. But now... Now Katie Porter is internet famous. People who have no idea who she is are going to have takes on her position. You know, I, I much prefer people like this individual uh, who got lucky while trying to get a biscuit. I like a Wilson woman who headed out for a biscuit and ended up winning a $700,000 lottery prize. Donna Denton. 
I love the way it flows. Said she went out to grab a biscuit on Friday after what started as a routine trip came home with a $700,000 prize. It's in Wilson, North Carolina, by the way. Uh, she, uh, she did what many people do. Decided to buy a $10 triple seven ticket from the Fremont Food Mart on North Wilson Street in Fremont. She checked the ticket with her husband when she got home. She said she plans to donate some of the winnings to the church. We're happy anyway. Now we're happier. This is a blessing. After taxes, Denton gets to take home $497,000 of a $700,000 win. Man, that Governor Roy Cooper in North Carolina, he do take a bite, doesn't he? I mean, that's an incredible amount to take away from this lady. But still, she pays the taxes, and still, she wants to contribute to the church. Huge. That's a person of high character and good standing. If I'm Sasha, I would go try to be the personal assistant to this Debbie Denton who won all that money because I'll bet she knows how to treat people underneath her uh, with, with pride and dignity and consideration. Forget Katie Porter. You're off to greener pastures, my friend. Sasha, pack those bags and come out to Carolina where people know how to treat people who believe in hard work and getting it right. I'm Brett Witterbull. I'm in for Dana Lash. This is The Dana Show. Dana gives you the meat and potatoes news of the day. None of that tofu news. More like bacon with a side of hash browns news. The news you want, the way you want it. The Dana Show. Well, the CDC is pushing teachers to measure commitment to LGBTQ inclusivity uh, in instruction. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has issued an assessment tool for teachers and school administrators to measure their commitment to LGBTQ inclusivity in the classrooms. The tool asks leading questions about school personnel and their faithfulness to queer theory, including encouraging sexual education. Teachers have uh, gender-neutral anatomy, referring to boys as body with a penis and girls with body with a vagina pushes advocacy, membership in schools, gay, straight alliances, the social transitioning of children, including the use of facilities of the opposite sex and decorating classrooms with LGBT uh, propaganda. The CDC's imprimatur on this self-assessment tool and the inclusion of numerous links to resources and activist organizations amounts to but some people say is a little more than bullying teachers, administrators, and school health professionals who might have reservations about affirmation and inclusion efforts in schools. Parents Defending Education founder and president Nicole Neely told Breitbart News, it's a troubling thing that the during the global pandemic, this is where the CDC's efforts were focused. So during the pandemic, they're focused on this. The CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health posted the LGBTQ inclusivity in schools, a self-assessment tool, to Twitter on Tuesday. As a self-assessment, the goal of the tool is to rate a teacher or school administrator's commitment to the ideology and suggests places where they can be better allies. Be a better ally. Be an ally like Zelensky. While the CDC says the guide is 
not mandatory at a national level. It appears entirely possible that a school administrator could make it mandatory for their school. Faithfulness to the ideology is measured on an LGBTQ inclusivity continuum, which rates persons as commit to change, beginning to break through, or awesome ally. Which one are you? If a teacher or administrator is minimally inclusive, they're not yet well prepared to provide inclusive and supportive environments for LGBTQ students. Commit to making changes, and you'll move up on the continuum in no time. Why, you'll go from minimally inclusive to awesome possum, and then maybe ready Freddy. I mean, I don't know. We got to come up with like these little, little terms, right? These little terms need to be uh, attached to these sorts of things, just so you know where you're scoring on this list. If a teacher or administrator is minimally inclusive, they're not yet ready. They're not prepared yet. As Joe Biden would say, school personnel who are beginning to break through have more work to do on broadening your horizons further. Addressing your barriers and expanding your efforts further towards being an ally. So wait, if you're not an ally, but you're also not expanding. So is that like, are you neutral? Well, this is like Dungeons and Dragons. I played it in the 80s. Is this like lawful good, chaotic neutral? Is this like lawful good? I mean, how do we score this? I don't even know how to score this. Is there a chart? Is there a chart with stickers that I can accrue and know exactly how I'm doing? Or is this is this a one-and-done tool? Well, apparently the CDC says they are not giving you a one-and-done tool, by the way. It's going to be a tool for people to get high scores and assume they have more work to do. So even if you have a high score, you still have more to do. You're not doing enough until... We determine that you are doing enough. And then at that point, we'll have another project for you to do. No, I don't, I don't believe we're going to do any math or science or grammar. We're indoctrinating the kids, for goodness sakes. They don't need those skills. Those skills don't matter anyways. We're scrapping the tests. It's bizarre. I, I'm really lucky that my kids are like done with school. Like, I have a son who's a senior in high school, so I don't have to go and sit in the teacher's uh, conferences. But there's a part of me that wants to, like, volunteer for other parents that have, like, a younger kid. And I'll be, let me go do the teacher's conference because what can happen is I can go do the teacher's conference and they have no way of punishing my kid because my kid's not there. So I'm free to speak. But everybody else, this is just unbelievable. Hey, uh, Portugal Pete. Uh, there's still chaos at the Southwest Airlines. Uh, apparently, Southwest Airlines is continuing to deal with this crisis, and they're not uh, heeding to the stern words and finger-wagging coming from Portugal Pete Buttigieg. I just thought I should uh, raise that with you. What do you say we get a quick take in here? How are we doing? And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I love the quick five. I love the quick takes of the quick five. I'm here. Alleged Paul Pelosi attacker David DePappi pleads not guilty to all charges. It would have been surprising had he pleaded guilty, I think. 
I think we all would have been taken uh, taken aback by that regard. Uh, Democratic Rep. Jamie Raskin. He uh, announces he has a serious but curable form of cancer. He's going to be getting treatment. Uh, we wish him well in that regard. We also wish that he would stop trying to abolish the Electoral College because it does really work at the end of the day. Bill Cosby, I mentioned earlier, is eyeing a return to comedy in 2023. Who is waking up and saying, you know what our corporation needs? We need 20 minutes from Bill Cosby to really motivate the folks who are gathered here together. Who's got Bill Cosby's number? Let's bring him in. Let's test drive him. Let's see what he's got in terms of the uh, the fastball. Kanye continues to be missing. Kanye West's ex-business manager cannot locate the erratic star to serve him with a $4.5 million lawsuit amid a rumor that he's missing. I think he's probably hiding under the bed. I think he's just like not answering the door when you ring the bell. Uh, earlier today, I shared with you the fact that an a Boeing 747 pilot says he has seen UFOs defying all known tech. He captured a cigar-shaped object on camera. What I always wonder about these uh, UFOs is this. Have they not perfected the cloaking device? If I had a UFO and I was flying it around a, a, a planet that had people looking at it, I'd make myself invisible. Are we surrounded by invisible ones as well? Be careful. That thing that hit you, it might not have been a fly. It might have been a UFO. I'm Brett Witterbull. This is The Dana Show. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail, it's The Dana Show. I'm not voting for Kevin McCarthy for speaker because I think he's just a shill of the establishment. I think that Kevin McCarthy is little more than a vessel through which lobbyists and special interests operate. And the reason most of my Republican colleagues are supporting him is because they benefit from the redistribution of lobbyist and special interest money through McCarthy to their campaign accounts. That is Matt Gates uh, saying he's not down with Kevin McCarthy. You know who else isn't? Representative Andy Biggs, cut number nine. The, the body of Is there work any scenario that you, you would ever vote for Leader mm -hmm. McCarthy on any ballot? Any scenario where he gets your vote? Uh, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I do not think so. And here's why. He's got a body of work. Um, you go back to 17 and 18. Look at the look at why we had Democrats voting for the Republican budgets, because the Republicans didn't want those budgets. But the floor leader, Mr. McCarthy, cut those deals with the Democrats. All right, let's try a political science experiment here, okay? So let's pretend for a moment that you are out there listening and um, you are not a McCarthy supporter. You're somebody who wants, I don't know, uh, say, say you want Matt Gates to be the next Speaker of the House, or you want Andy Biggs to be the next Speaker of the House, or you wanted Jim Jordan to be the next Speaker of the House, or Steve Scalise, right? So I've given you, I've given you a full kind of rainbow of possibilities there okay um you are allowed to support who you want to support and you could be a, con a congress member and you could vote for yourself you could have five other people vote for you you could have all that kind of stuff but what you have created in washington dc is a scenario called next man up it could be next woman up but it's it, it's let's just call it next man up and what does this mean this means that if you limit the choices out there on the edges and you push a particular 
person into the center, into the middle, odds are, because people mostly don't want to get caught up in drama, people want things to just kind of move smoothly and let's get on with it and all that sort of stuff. Essentially, you've got Kevin McCarthy there. Kevin McCarthy is no great shakes. Okay? He's no great shakes. Nobody went out in this last election in 2022 and said, we need Kevin McCarthy as our speaker, man. He has done an incredible thing. He's done an incredible thing. Kevin McCarthy is really just another kind of iteration of Mitch McConnell, right? He's He's a creature of the swamp. And once upon a time, he was supposed to be the next speaker uh, to to be elevated. Um, not Paul Ryan. It was supposed to be Kevin McCarthy. But he had a little bit of baggage, a couple of allegations of relationships. And it turned out he was embarrassed and didn't get that shot back, you know, seven, eight years ago. But let's talk about the disconnect that exists. Why is it that... The average people, and I know this because I've got a Facebook page, and you can read the comments at Brett, at Brett Whittable. Um, I've got a Facebook page, and I've been like kind of asking questions about, hey, what do you want in terms of your leadership? People do not want establishment Republicans as their leaders. And we see this earlier today playing out at Red State. It took a single tweet to prove the GOP and Republican voters are not friends. This is Brandon Morse putting this together. What Republican Party? It's a question worth asking after the mediocre showing during the much-hyped midterms that featured Republican leadership shrugging at its own candidates and Republican politicians passing an omnibus bill that amounted to a Democratic Party Christmas wish list, right-leaning voters are even wondering if they have a political party to support. The division can be best seen on Twitter, where the GOP, right, the at GOP, you can find them on Twitter, seems to be having one hell of a time with their own voting base. After one ridiculous tweet, conservatives ranging from the average American to the well-known influencer have been dragging the GOP mercilessly. Do you know what the GOP tweeted out Yesterday at 3.30 in the afternoon, Republicans believe in limited government. (sighs) Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. That is going to leave a mark. Republicans believe in limited government. Who? Mitch? Kevin? Who? The Hodge twins responded, obviously no, obviously not. Who used 9-11 to create a Patriot Act to spy on us? Who just voted to send our tax dollars overseas? Who just voted to give the agencies more of our tax dollars so they can censor us and call us domestic terrorists? Republicans did. Most of y'all are cowards. Tell that. To the Republican politicians who voted for the omnibus, said DeSantis aide Christina Pusha. Other responses were less than polite, but no matter the method of disagreement, the response was well-deserved. The GOP has been called out for its unwillingness to fight for the American people and caving too readily to the Democrats. 
even by elected members and its own party. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, for instance, made it clear Republicans could have held strong against the Democrats on the omnibus, but they failed to uphold their own principles and added that the claim from the GOP that it's mostly the party of fiscal responsibility is a lie. We have completely and totally abdicated the power of the purse. Republicans are emasculated. They have no power. They're unwilling to gain that power back, Paul said. At this time, the Republican Party is under the leadership of people who spend more time self-serving and making sure they maintain their own influence and power than actually doing the work of the people. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's behavior during the midterms alone should disqualify him from consideration. And this is what's at the heart of the Republicans and the GOP that now find themselves sneering at each other. Republicans have no leadership on the national stage, while Republican governors are doing great work. D.C. elitists either aren't putting it together that voters really do want conservative values and merciless opposition to the radicalized Democratic Party, or they simply don't care. Nothing will change until Republican leadership does. And so what do you have? You have Ronna McDaniel running the RNC. You've got the GOP struggling to try to find a voice that can take this uh, take this uh, party to a different place. This is all self-inflicted stuff. Somebody who worked in the Congress once told me in a hushed conversation in Washington, D.C., that in Afghanistan, cave is a noun. But in D.C., it's a verb. When's the last time you saw Nancy Pelosi, Hakeem Jeffries, Raskin, Jayapal, AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Chuck Schumer, take a knee in politics? They'll, they'll, they'll take a knee. They'll, they'll make sure America takes a knee. But they don't ever give up. You could say anything you want about the Democratic Party. Say anything you want. Say anything you want about the liberals. They don't quit. They, they, they're like piranhas. They don't stop until all the meat is stripped from the bone. Republicans uh, get there. You get a little bit of heat. Jimmy Kimmel's making fun of you. Seth Meyers is making fun of you. Jimmy Fallon's making fun of you. Oh. Oh, they're making fun of us. Oh, they're marching outside of our house. Oh, okay, let's just go along with the omnibus, and then people will like us more. No, they won't. Rachel Maddow's going to flip the switch and love you? <laughs> Anderson Cooper's going to flip the switch and love you? Don Lamont is going to flip the switch and be like, ah, oh, you know what? We love that you guys funded the omnibus bill. That's great. No, you're still racist because of the border. So if the choice is between surrender or defeat, don't surrender. Make them beat you. Make them beat you into submission. You have to understand rule number one, Republicans are hated. Rule number two, see rule number one. But remember, in Afghanistan, cave is a noun. In Washington, cave is a verb. And the GOP 
and the RNC and the rhinos are all right there, ready and willing with hands overhead saying, please, please don't hurt us. You see what Katie Porter did to her staffer? That's brutal. Can you see any Republican getting away with that? That's kind of the point. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And thank you so much for being here with me today. I am Brent Witterbull. It is the Dana Show. USA Today and the Associated Press are coming at your guns in a whole new way. It's not surprising that they've decided to do this, but AWR Hawkins uh, over at Breitbart with this uh, with this story earlier today. A USA Today Associated Press column published today suggests that lawmakers who are struggling to get traction on gun control may want to redirect their energies toward Bullet regulation. Yep, bullet regulation. Janine Santucci writes in USA Today, quote, government leaders calling for reform say bullet regulation, including through the recording of sales, licensing of dealers or background checks, is necessary in the ongoing battle to curb mass shootings. Now, truth be told, the state of California already does background checks. Uh, for for firearms and ammunition the giffords group you know the giffords group right uh, and other gun regulation advocates also propose that ammunition sellers be required to maintain records of their sales and make the information available to law enforcement as new jersey does or will be doing uh, very, very shortly. Data collection and reporting of large sales to police, the state police, etc., along with other measures such as behavioral threat assessments, will help law enforcement to identify bad actors, New Jersey Attorney General Matthew Platkin, Democrat, said. Law-abiding gun owners who purchase ammunition in bulk won't have anything to worry about. Don't you worry about it. We in Trenton understand your rights. Okay, out of that. Santucci's column also pushes for magazine capacity restrictions, claiming such limitations would reduce effectiveness of high-profile shooters. She did not address a new National Review report, which indicates that the February 14th, 2018, Parkland school attacker used 10 round magazines during his heinous crime left that out not an issue not a factor too bad that's just how it is now it's going to be a matter of days weeks at the most where this is going to pick up traction and this is going to go uh, into the national debate what do you say we do a background check and we do a background check i can see this i really can let's do a background check on each round you purchase let's make it that difficult and let's charge you oh i don't know fifty dollars a bullet for the background check they're going to come up with something in this way what they will refuse to deal with is this um the criminals who are able to get ammunition the criminals who are able to get guns the criminals who are able to purchase magazines of whatever size uh 
They, they never have a difficulty in getting all that stuff. Why is that? They just want you disarmed. What they want is you vulnerable. Because if you're vulnerable, you'll run to Papa Joe. You'll run to Papa Joe Biden and say, please, please protect us. Grab everybody's guns. We'll be good. Let us please protect us, Joe. Joe can't manage his own family. He's not going to manage your law enforcement. He's not going to manage your personal safety. Remember, he's too pump Joe. Remember when he said that about his wife? When she was the vice president, when she was the, the second, uh, the second uh, woman, I mean, literally the second woman, she was the vice president's wife. And he said, you know, when people come around, I tell Jill, just pump it twice. Just take that gun, take that shotgun, chamber the rounds, pump it twice, fire it right off the balcony. Really? Really? So your advice to everybody is to just fire a loaded weapon off the balcony in the city of Washington, D.C. That's your answer, Joe. That's the kind of thing. That gets grandpa looked at when he talks like that. I don't mean to fall into Joe speak. Just Jill, just get that gun and pump it twice and then fire it right off the balcony. You'll scare him. It'll be great. If you run out of shells, just take the gun that Hunter left on the side of the road and Della. Never mind. The mother of Hunter Biden's daughter seeks court approval to change the child's last name to Biden. A child fathered by Hunter Biden may have may have her last name changed to Biden. If a court appeal filed Tuesday by the girl's Arkansas mother succeeds, the motion filed by the attorney for the former stripper, London Alexis Roberts, was made in the 16th Circuit Court in Independence County in the paternity case against Hunter Biden. The Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported. The outlet records the name change submission was one of four filings made in the case originally settled back in March of 2020. The case was reopened in September when the son of President Joe Biden sought child support payment adjustments due to, quote, substantial material change in his financial circumstances, including but not limited to his income. Wait, you're selling all those paintings. You're doing better than ever before. What is it? Inflation? Is it the Biden inflation that hurts you? What is it that hurts you, Hunter? Oh, the 10% is now gone. The 10% for the big guy is gone. And so is the other 90% for everybody else. That's all gone now. Okay, I get it. So you're a little low on dough. Hunter Biden reportedly is requested to have lowered those child support payments for the daughter he conceived out of wedlock. According to the filing submitted Tuesday, by the attorney, Clinton Lancaster, the Gazette reports the baby, which was conceived out of wedlock, would benefit from carrying the Biden family name. Are you sure? And that the Biden name is now synonymous with being well-educated, successful, financially acute, and politically powerful. The filing cited President Biden, his, his wife Jill Biden, and Hunter Biden's late brother Beau as examples. It also sets out that the Biden family remains estranged from the child to the extent that this is misconduct or neglect. It can be rectified by changing her last name to Biden so that she may undeniably be known to the world as the child of the defendant and a member of the prestigious Biden family. As Breitbart News reported, Hunter Biden's previously sought to have child support payments reduced, citing financial hardships. Did you did you know? Did you know that there's another Hunter Biden? 
that it, the, the other Hunter Biden is a younger Hunter Biden. Who would saddle the kid with that name? My gosh. Thanks so much to Steve. Thanks so much to Dana Lash and to my good friend, Radio Kane. And each and every one of you have a happy new year. We'll talk to you in 2023 on The Dana Show.